Can you imagine moving from one country halfway around the world to another with your family in tow and then trying to start a business only to find that the business partner who had promised all this stuff actually couldn't deliver, so you had to stop it, pay a whole lot of money, fight legal crap, and then start again? Our next guest knows exactly what it's like, and he has a very interesting take on how to provide service to his customer. Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his... It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Merry. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I'm your host, Warwick Merry, the Get More Guy. And with me today, I have a man who's an international branding guru. He's done many, many things, comes from all over the world. And he runs out their brand, out their branding. That's a mouthful. Please welcome to the show, Roy Kowalski. Welcome, Roy. Thank you so much. Wow, um, international. That's um, that's. Well, that's... I am sensing a tad of out of a South African accent going on there. Yep, you certainly are. So, um, so does that mean yeah. that we get out our Ruboy's tea and some biltong and settle down and have a good campfire? Not today, sir. <laughs> um, so I, I like to refer myself as an ex-South African, but now I'm Australian. There you go. And, and um, actually... Um, you've just The southern part of the globe, you've just stayed there. We've just moved around to the other side. So you're just used to it. And, and probably a better description of it would be that, um, um, number one, uh, you know, you, may, you have been born into Australia, um, whereas I chose to come here. So therefore... therefore um, I'm very invested in the country because I chose to make this my home. Mate, you're more Australian than I am. Well, in some ways, the test that I did to become a citizen, I can assure you there's some questions that most Australians can't answer. It's unreal, isn't it? Hey, um, look, before we get too carried away, because I do know that I love to chat and we can get carried away easily, I do want to ask that primary question I love to ask, which is how do you define success? Obviously, from someone who's lived overseas, had businesses over there or worked in business over there, you've chosen to come to Australia, you've chosen to, to start up or extend your business. I'm really interested. How do you define success? So um, the way I define success is is you can you can have all the components of of what you want to achieve and what you want to do in life but the 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 the, the crossing takes place when people start saying to you you know we see what you do we feel your passion and and thereby we want to deal with you we want to be talking to you so my measure of success is the amount of people that want to deal with me, that want to work with me, and that and that follows on from my own my own personal values and principles. So, if you can stay with your values and principles, um, and people follow you for that, then that is my measure for success. Is and I mean I'm working with some really really top brands, and those people say to me the same thing as a consistent message: you are magnificent to work with. Because we feel that you actually, that you that you've got that you. It's not just a, you're not just doing the job. We can feel that it's in it, and and that's how I measure success. Um, and I'm just going to go one step further: is that 
I've made my word for 2020, and that word is passionate. Um, and so that's what, you know, obviously that's what you live with your business. And I'm going to come back to you and talk to you about your current business out there, branding, because uh, as listeners know, I love trade shows and conferences and therefore the, the, the branding and marketing and the tools that go with it and other parts is great. But I want to get back to what you were talking about earlier, how you've chosen to come to Australia. Tell me about whereabouts in South Africa were you living and what was it that was the trigger that made you think, you know what, I need to go somewhere. I can go anywhere in the world. I'm going to go to Australia. So I, I come from a place called East London, and, and not to be confirmed, uh, not to be confused with the East of London in the UK. Um, so East London, it's a it's a coastal village. Um, I was involved in a manufacturing clothing business. Um, I was a partner. In fact, I was the marketing and sales director. Um, and I reached a point in the business where my partner's values and mine started to do this for me. Um, Customers is, is, your, is your lifeblood of a business. And when we started out together, we agreed that that's, you know, it's all about a customer experience and, and you need to do that. And what happened was as the business grew and it became hugely successful, he forgot that principle that the customer is the one that actually got you there. And he got to a point where he said to me, oh, yeah, there's, there's a queue of people waiting. to. If two customers fall away, don't worry about another 10 that can make it. And at that point, I realized that our values were not on the same level. And at the same time, my, my two uh, children were finishing at school and they were busy at uni. Um, I had some association with a family in Australia. I had come to visit Australia and I thought, I like the mentality of Australian people. They, they've got a, a go-get-you attitude. The climate is very similar. And the only thing is the time zone. That was it. So my choice was, you know, I wanted to be in, a, in, you know, in the similar climatic conditions. I love summers. I love the beach. You know, if I'm going to go to the UK, which obviously wasn't an option, if I was going to go to the UK, you know, it's cold the whole time. So it was to do with a, a future for my children, a future for me, and the climatic conditions, which are very similar to South Africa. And let's face it, the a lot of the beaches in the UK, they're either stones or rocks or they're <laughs> black. And it's just like, what the deuce? Like, that's not a beach. It's got to be golden sands or it's not really a beach. Correct, sir. So how did your, how old were your kids when you came out here? They were at uni, so they must have been like 18 to 20 or something? No, no. That, my, my son was, uh, we've just gone 11 years now. He's, so he was about 20, 24. Um, and my daughter was just had her 21st. So, right. so they so, came out, yeah. My son already had the first part of his architectural degree, yep. so he had to just do his his masters in Australia. And my daughter had her first year of graphic design under the belt, so she had to start from scratch. How did you go transitioning from one culture like South Africa to the second one in Australia? Because my experience is there's a lot of similarities in terms of we speak English-ish and we, you know, the, the climate's the same. There's a lot of cultural stuff is very similar, but it's not until you get here, you find the differences and they're often little differences that sometimes are a little bit unnerving. How did you go with that cultural adjustment? Okay. Very, very, very good question. Um, and I do have a very good answer for it. A lot of ex-South Africans that I know come here with the wrong mentality. They come here with a mentality of, in South Africa, do we do it like this? 
and they come here with a mentality that, you know, they don't want to associate with Australians or they only want to associate what suits them. So how I approached it, and, and it's, been, it's been highly successful, is I approached it on the basis that I wanted to be able to convert my mindset to how an Australians think. And I want to be able to associate with them on that level. So a lot of the time, initially, it was listening. It was listening to what were the things that you could resonate with one another rather than me saying, because South Africans are seen as aggressive, arrogant, know-alls. I mean, these are things that you know, I, I see all the time. Um, but I approached it completely differently. I wanted to become Australianized as quickly as what I could. And to be honest with you, the rest is history because that's what I did. Right. And what about your, your kids and your partner and stuff? Did they settle in as well as you? They settled in exactly the same. Once my, once my children, um, I'm divorced now, but I've got a new, a new partner. Um, so once my, my, my children saw how this methodology worked, they integrated on exactly the same basis. They had the same sort of principles and values that I've got, and, and they integrated the same, and they've had the same success on the basis that they didn't try. So I, I, know, I know South Africans that have been living in this country for over 25 years, and they only mix with ex-South Africans. I know lots of them. Yeah, yeah, so it's sort of like, you know, South Africa East. Yeah, right. I mean, excuse me. I mean, how stupid can you be? So, so my network is, and, and the way I've built my business and my personal life up, it's based on the fact that I've made the choice to Austra Australianize myself as quickly as possible by choice not by anyone forcing me to do it. And all my Australian friends that I have say, you are so different to you know, ex-South Africans because you make us feel as though you're an Australian. And I say, well, I am. Well, that's a good transition. Let's talk about your business. So did you start up a business from scratch out here? Did you bring a bit of a business with you? How did that, that work? And why this business? Why did you go into these marketing pieces or the, the, so tell us a bit about your, your business and why you're doing what you do. So when I, when I came here, my, my background is actually apparel. So clothing related. Um, and when I came here, um, I came, you know, to be in a partnership with somebody, which, you know, that's another story for another day, but it, it wasn't a very pleasant experience, uh, costly and unpleasant, but that's, as I say, that's, so when I came here, um, I was going to sell clothing. I'm, I'm, I'm a good salesperson and I'm a good networker and I'm a good um, operational you know, person that, that can work with people. Um, and very, very shortly after coming here, I discovered that this partner that I had had zero network. He couldn't introduce me to anybody. I had the expertise and he was supposed to have the network and that was going to be our, our common thread, zero couldn't introduce me to one person. And anyway, we had a fallout financially, uh, all sorts of dramas. And then I decided that I need to start again. So I started again. I rebranded the business, uh, calling it Out There Branding. And I slowly started working at becoming a specialist in a product solutions. Now, I'm going to explain this a little bit because this is probably this is probably the key point of difference. Is most promotional companies are transactional, 
So a transactional promotional company will be somebody that you go onto their website and you're looking for pens. So you click on pens and it comes up with all of the suppliers' website pens and options and you choose what you like and you send an email back to them and say, Roy, please give me a price on P731 in pink. I don't want to do that. My methodology is completely different to that. So my methodology is before you know what product to promote, you need to ask some questions. So those questions relate to what do you want to achieve with the product? What outcome do you want with the product? And if you've got a product that's going to get you an outcome, then you've got more chance of that giving you a return than just giving up a pen. So how many times do you, I know you probably are an expert at this, how many times have you not been to a trade show or an exhibition and you get that bag? And in the bag, it's got two plastic pens, uh, one stress ball, and before you leave the conference, you take the bag and you just drop it into the garbage bin. I know for me, when I go to trade shows now, is I like getting USB keys, but I'm really fussy. If it's, if it's eight gigabyte or less, I don't want it. Um, and so many people go, oh, the one gigabyte ones are cheap. You know, and it's like, yeah. And so people don't want them. They can't use them. So many, so many organizers or so many people who are exhibiting or at events, they'll go, oh, we need to get some pens to give away. Let's get these cheap ones because we can get more of them. But they're cheap, shitty pens. Correct. People don't even look at the logo. They're like, I just need a pen. I just need a pen. Like, I, I don't think we've, I haven't bought a pen in an incredibly long time because of, the, you know, but I know that there's some of the promotional pens that I get are a, a higher quality pen. I still can't tell you the, the brand the brand on it, but it's a nice pen. And that really relates to your point, which is you've got to look at what are you trying to achieve? What's the outcome and what item is going to best help you get there? 100%. And, and actually, this thing transitioned into me searching, um, and I mean searching, for a, for a, um, a tagline for my business. And, and why I'm going to tell you the tagline is because it's so relevant to what I do, and it's, I'm going to show you how it ties in. So I've been looking for what can I say I do. You know, if I say if I say to people, oh, you know, I do promotional products, immediately a vision comes in of the plastic pens or the USBs or the. So the tagline that I found um, is as follows, and it's creating memorable experiences to deliver profitable outcomes. Yeah. And. What does that mean? It means that, that I want to be able to provide my customers with a, an item that's going to create a memorable experience that's going to give them an outcome that's profitable. And that's the thing, like, you know, I've seen some of the, because uh, as you know, I follow you on LinkedIn and seen some of the imagery of what you've done for some of your clients. And so we're talking marquees, tennis nets, I love those video brochures. I'll get you to have a chat to me about them in a sec. So we're not just talking the, you know, stress balls, water bottles, keep cups, blah, 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 blah. You know, as much as I'd, I'd like to say, oh, what's your biggest selling item? What's your most popular item? It's really not relevant, is it? Because it's like the, the more pertinent question, as you've said, is what is the most common aim that your client has? So what, so let's, that question with the clients that you deal with what's the the most common goal they're trying to achieve with these merchandise okay so let me let me first of all just go one step back um and and just to just to sort of um uh, articulate 
you know, about out there branding. So my methodology is that I don't want to sell a product unless I can offer a strategy with that product. So transitional, uh, sorry, transactional and out there branding, transactional, go onto the website, choose what you like, give me a price, out there branding, we talk to you, we ask you, we, we find out what your industry is, we find out what your target market is, we find out what your budget is, and then we match some product to it, and we help you with a strategy. So here's just a, here's an example. So these over here are my funky socks. And they're pretty cool. So they're, they've got some nice bright colors. So it's the kind of thing that if you're wearing those socks, they're going to stand out. Yeah. And on the hip, you've got the, uh, the, your brand in a couple of words, yeah? So now, this, this, doesn't, this is not just a product. So when I want to get a meeting with Warwick, what I do is I take one sock, I put it in an envelope that can see the sock and on the back, and I send this with a personal note to say, hi, Warwick, love to have a chat to you. I wonder if we could meet up and pair up so I can give you the other sock. Fantastic. So product and strategy. And because that's the thing, it's, and you know, people get excited because A, it's a letter and we don't usually get it. B, it's a lumpy letter. So there's, ooh, there's something in it for me. And B, we love free shit. We love free stuff. 100%. And not only that, but this, this envelope that we send it out in, I'm going to put it in so you can see. Yeah. It's, a, it's a clear envelope. So you can see what's in there. It's a really nice quality plastic silver backed with a clear front so you can see it and then start to get excited about it. Yeah. So that, that was, I just wanted to stop on that for a sec with regards to the product and strategy. So you, you asked the question um, about what are the sort of popular products for, for, you know, for particular things. So here's an example. We did these activations for um, Huawei, which are, um, which are you know, the, the Chinese mobile phones. Is that a water bottle or is that a thermos, that bottle that you... I'll, I'll show you now, yeah. So they, they were having this sports activation, a yoga activation, and they wanted to give their premium customers something that was going to be worthwhile and useful. So what did we do? We got them a Lululemon, an expensive Lululemon yoga towel, sweat towel, and we got them a stainless steel double-walled water bottle. And guess what? Every one of them said, you have given us something of value to us and you've given us something that we're going to reuse multiple times. And there's the outcome. And, and also from, a, from a, a finance point of view, even though each of those costs more, because they're going to keep it, your actual cost per impression, cost per brand impression is so much lower. So if I give you, let's say, and I see this at Expos a lot, they give a kid a balloon with your brand on it. Half the time, doesn't even get out of the show. The balloon goes up to the roof and you've seen that, I don't know, five times. But something quality like that, the, the thermos is going to last. I'm going to keep using that sweat towel. I'm looking at your brand all the time. So if you calculate that cost per impression, it's quite low. So your, your investment is high to start with, but the quality of it means it's going to last so that, that continual branding and branding to the family because you're going to take it home and fill up your water bottle or you go out to the park with a water bottle. So other people are going to see that branding as well. So it's actually a really quality investment looking bigger picture for your cost per impression. 100%. So, so that's, what, that's what I do. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I measure my success is that the, the, the people that listen to what I'm suggesting and go along with it, 
get the best results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if I could say this, you know, I, I will sit with someone. Now, bear in mind that not every single person has got an un, an ending budget, <laughs> and and I clearly understand that. Many people have an unending budget. Hundred percent, absolutely. So what I like to do is I like to say, well, first of all, let's you know, this is about a trust thing. You trusting me to you know with some of your money that you want to invest and you want to, uh, uh, you know, you want some interest on the money. So if you trust me with the product within the budget that you have, then I'll get you an outcome. So sometimes it may not necessarily be, I mean, this is an expensive towel, I can promise you, but there's some people who say, hold a sec, that's not what I want to spend, no problem. So what I try and do is I try and tailor make these solutions around a budget. And I don't try and talk people into spending more. But what I try and do is I try and show them the value and the return that they're going to get if that's what they use. So obviously, this is an approach you've, you've, you've built up over the years to go from simply being a, a transactional company that it's a commodity where you're competing with everyone to being a, essentially a service company that just happens to use products to help get that service. So... I'm really interested. Obviously, you've you know had a lot of business experience in, in building it. What are, for the listeners who are who are listening now? What do you reckon are the three key things you wish you'd known earlier in putting, you know, in all the businesses you've been part of and the life experience you've had? What do you reckon are three things you're like? God, I wish I knew this 10, 15 years ago. How to make money. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, I would say probably the things that I wish that I knew earlier is is how to build relationships before you make a sale. I think that's probably, that's the key thing. And the difficult part with, with that statement is when you start a business out, you are dependent on bringing the, the, the dollar in. So you don't look past the actual, you don't look past the sale because the sale brings the dollar. But if you, if you've been like now I've been in business for a while and now I'm not chasing the dollar anymore. I'm chasing the relationships now. So that would be, that would be number one would be if I had only known years ago um, that relationships are more important than a sale, I would have got you much quicker. Yeah. 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 I suppose the second one would be um, if I had understood that focus on one thing rather than try and do many things that would be second because when you start out you think you can do everything and you actually can't do everything and i've heard a lot of people when they start out going now who's you know who's a good customer for your business oh everyone everyone needs to buy my stuff yeah you see exactly that and the third thing is to properly if i only knew how to properly articulate what i did years ago i would be so far ahead so in other words when someone said what do you do i started telling them all sorts of things oh, i do this and i can you know I, this I, I can sell this this is a this is really good and what about this and what about that now um i don't do that i i, I now listen and i articulate from from what the conversation comes to me in, as opposed to trying to sell so that's the third thing 
Yeah, that's great, Roy. Um, and we look, we're going to have to wrap up shortly. But what are, what are the plans for out there branding this year? What have you got? Any big, fabulous things that you're focused on? Obviously, your your word of the year is passion. Um, which and having known you for a while, I know that that's a strong part of who you are as an individual. But what plans do you have for out there branding for this year? No, I've, I've certainly got plans, and um, and I'll I'll sort of summarise it pretty quickly. So what I what I did in the you know in the shutdown period was I, I spent a lot of time at trying to work out what were my goals going to be launching into a new decade, and if the goals were going to be um, X Y Z, how was I going to do it, and and in in what way and what form would it take? So what I came what I came out of it was. My, my plan and my goals for 2020 is to make sure that the customer journey is a first-class journey. And I have, I have it articulated in my own mind and on paper as exactly how it's going to be. The first thing I did when I arrived back for the new year was I shared this vision with my team. I showed them what this means, how I see it, and I showed them how they fit into it to be able to help us achieve the goal. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so if, Roy, if people want to get in touch with you and experience this first-class journey, what's the, what's the best way for them to um, get in touch with you and your team to just find out how that, you might be able to help them? Um, on my website, there's a, um, there's a you know, my, my email addresses and my phone numbers is splashed all over the place. So... Um, my phone is always on. I'm, some people say I'm a little bit crazy, but I'm a 24-7 phone man. Someone wants to speak to me, they can pick up the phone up to me. I'll answer the phone. So Ted, by calling him at 3 o'clock in the morning, just to see if that phone's on. My answer to that is I may be sleeping and it'll be on silent, but in the morning I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your website, Roy, so we can get in touch? www.otb.com.au. So otb.com.au. Yep. Superb. Hey, Roy, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great chatting with you. A pleasure. And I'm, I'm thrilled that you have, you know, that you've allowed me to come on your show. You, you're a super, super, super interview. I can tell you that. Thank you so much for, for being here. It's been great. You've been listening to another episode of the get more success show. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to your company next time. Thanks for listening to the get more success show with Warwick Mary. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at get more success. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening and until next time, enjoy your success.